Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest Mandalorian spoiler special. This one is dedicated to the fifth episode of Season 2, a.k.a. Chapter 13, a.k.a. The Jedi, a.k.a. the first live-action appearance of Ahsoka Tano, and you don't need to be an avid viewer of the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels as we are on this podcast to know that this is a pretty big deal. This episode fittingly was written and directed by the man who created Ahsoka Tano, Dave Filoni, and it featured all kinds of big old revelations, name drops, needle drops, mic drops, and much, much more. And joining me to discuss it are three colleagues of such lethal cunning only now can I reveal their true names. You once knew her as Helen O'Hara, but she is actually Gugu Gaga. <laughs> Welcome, Gugu Gaga. <laughs> Thank you so much. So lovely to be here. How are you? There seems to be some sort of crime happening in the background of where so you are. always I mean, the case where Helen lives. <laughs> Look, it's, it could be a hospital thing. Ambulance. I think ambulance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you call 999. I need a hospital thing. Quickly. You know what I mean? It's like a small box, but it's on wheels and it goes, <laughs> wee wah, wee wah. I need one of those. It's been a really long day, guys. <laughs> I'm bleeding out, goddamn you. Send the hospital thing. Yes. Anyway, there are many of those that go past, and they all. I live near a junction, and they even mm-hmm. if they don't have their sirens on the rest of the time, they put the siren on for the junction, just to really keep me up. Oh, mind. those mothers! Bastard. What are they afraid of? KFC doesn't close until eleven. <laughs> I've checked. <laughs> I know the closing times of every KFC within a ten-kilometer radius. Uh, anyway, next up we have the man that you once knew as James Dyer, but I know as. Gotta love gear. Gotta love gear. It's James Dyer. Wow. (laughs) What on earth was that? (laughs) This is going so well already. Gotta love gear. Hello, James. How are you today? So you're saying I'm your ventriloquist dummy. This would explain a lot, I think. (laughs) Yes, you say the things that I'm too scared to say myself. (laughs) So I shove my hand up your bum and make make you say them instead. That is exactly what happens. People are going to be so excited to listen to this episode because of how huge the Mandalorian this week was. And now they're going to be a couple of minutes in thinking, what the fuck what is going on? What have I on? paid for? What have I signed up for? In fairness, Ben, I think this sums up every single spoiler episode <laughs> yeah. we do. Yeah, it's like, fair. we're going to be so excited to hear about the episode three minutes in. What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> and last but not least, you have, of course, already heard him. He is a well-known Baby Yoda apologist, uh, formerly known as Ben Travis. He is gangrene. <laughs> gangrenous. <laughs> gangrenous. I'm, I'm gangrenous. Oh yes. my god. Somebody get the hospital thing quick. <laughs> <laughs> Nino, Nino. My friend, he's very green and smelly. Which I imagine Baby Yoda must be, right? He must be green. Oh. He might, he, we know he's green, but he must be smelly. He must be. You must be smelly. Maybe the coat smells. I don't think he smells, but that coat has he, been through some things. It doesn't look mm. washed, does it? Like I don't see Mando no. washing it regularly. Oh, come on. No. We've discussed this. There has to be some kind of washing washer dryer on the Razor Crest, right? Definitely. I mean, how often do you have to wash Beskar? I don't know. Yeah, but he's got to have a lining. Again, we've discussed this. There's got mm-hmm. to be some kind of impact, you know, dampening lining there. Some inertial dampeners, James. Little windscreen wipers come down and then yeah. clear his yeah. visor. Yeah. All that all that sort of Something. stuff. Something. I want to see him go to like a sort of like a massive car wash and just get buffeted <laughs> by the those big giant 
we're, we're doing well with descriptions of things today. On the this big giant episode. things, the big things, <laughs> the, the big, giant things. The, the, the giant things, you know, you, you the, go the in that. Things. Yeah, the wishy things. The yeah. wishy, what are they called? Turbines? No, that's yeah. not it. What are, they, no. what are they called? I've got a crazy idea. Brushes, brushes. I've got a crazy <laughs> giant idea. Giant brushes. Do yes. you want to talk about the Mandalorian? <laughs> Yes, indeed, because what an episode it is, folks. It has it all. It has Ahsoka Tano. It has Michael Bean. It has Grogu, yes. apparently. Uh, I forgot to do a recap on, on last week's episode, so I'm going to do a quick recap on this week's. Uh, after a cold open, very cold open, if you ask me, mm. on Corvus, hey. in which we see Ahsoka Tano, for it is she, played by Rosario Dawson, for it is also she, lay waste to a bunch of soldiers, for it is them, before issuing a dark threat to the leader of a small town, for it is she, and it is that I'll stop doing that Len Mando shows up looking for Ahsoka Tano and is tasked by Morgan Elspeth who is an evil person called Morgan Morgan Elspeth uh, tasks Mando with killing Ahsoka. He finds her, they quickly come to an accord, she realises the power of the little green one who is with Mando, she communes with him, and she reveals that baby Yoda, aka the child, is actually called Grogu. What? (gasps) Mando and Ahsoka team up, they kick the trash out of the town, and with a new spear made of the finest Beskar steel by his side, Mando and baby Yoda, sorry Grogu, set off for yet another planet, and there they might just attract the attention of other Jedi. Not that many are left at this point, but I can think of one in particular, which is very interesting indeed. Folks. What? You think that's where they're... Ooh, okay. Folks, folks, folks. Shall we say, shall we say it? Sure, do it. Shall I say it? Do it. Luke Skywalker. What? I'm saying it. I'm going to say it right now. I think we may be heading for a, a mo-capped, de-aged cameo from Mark Hamill. Grogu on Octo. <laughs> oh my god. If we see Baby Yoda standing next to a porg, I'm going to just straight up die. That'll be the absolute end of me. <laughs> you know that Baby Yoda would, would try and fit a porg into its gaping maw. That would and just it would be happen. hilarious and adorable. Wow. I also like the idea that we find out that Grogu is a survivor of Order 66. Trained at the Jedi mm. Temple, survived the purge of the Temple after having been trained. <laughs> Apparently, he's had intensive training at the Temple. Well, it wasn't very effective, was it? Uh, but uh, yeah, he survived Order Sixty Six. He forgot it all. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of... Well, this is here's the thing. We we have seen. I love that we're just kind of quickly skimming over my Luke Skywalker theory. We'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, we have seen throughout this whole series so far how forgetful and childlike Baby Yoda is in mm. his 50s. So it's probably not a huge shock that fact retention isn't his strong point when he was in his teens or his 20s. They mm. were probably teaching him stuff and then he was forgetting it and then getting distracted with the shiny lights and stuff. So whenever the, um, you know, Anakin turns up and massacres all the younglings... Except for one. Except for the youngest youngling. Yeah, he's mm. not going to remember anything, is he? So It was nap you know. time. He wasn't there or whatever. He was officially too cute to kill. That, yes. is, that is headcanon for me. <laughs> Anakin, Anakin took one look at him and just went, oh. After murdering a load of actual human children, he saw Baby I mean, Yoda and thought, they deserved it. this is a step too oh far. No, it would have been the thing where, where it's like, because he's like Wayne Grogu. They, they tried to kill him down the side of a car and they got distracted and he ran away when they weren't looking. <laughs> it's all in heat. It's all in heat. <laughs> I thought I thought he was going to be yeah sort of 
Bruce Grogu and they they killed the other Waynes. <laughs> what? 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 No. no, I went the uh, the clearly you obvious the hate parallel, which was, which course, was you know, it was course. just lying there. So you know. And oh my it, god! Was it though? Okay. So yeah, so he's going to be taken out eventually in a hotel room. Um, let's let's talk exciting. about the elephant in the room, which is like no. Let's can't. finish my Luke Skywalker theory. Okay, um, go on. Go okay. on. I think we're, that's where we're heading towards. I don't. I don't know. Who else I is mean, left? Who else is left? Ahsoka Tano says to him at the end. She says, "Go to this planet, stick him on a mountain." <laughs> well, she makes the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stick him on. Stick him on the special stone, and a Jedi might pick him up. So I ask you, everyone, because you guys are as attuned with the force as I am. Um, who's left much. at this point? Well, no, I mean, obviously, if you if you saw, for example, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, you'll <laughs> Which be is aware. Now canon. <laughs> yeah, you'll be aware that there's a, a Jedi. It's very much not. Um, you'll be aware of the Jedi Temple in that, where there is a, a sort of seeing eye thing, which turns out to be a you know time travel doohickey. Spoiler. So okay. so maybe it will be that Jedi Temple. You don't know. But also, it's interesting. That she mentions obviously Grand Admiral Thrawn, which I'm sure James is oh going to want to talk about quite, but. Apparently, last we saw of him in the Clone Wars, as we'll all remember as avid viewers of mm-hmm. this show, um, vividly, mm-hmm. Ezra Bridge, uh, Ezra Bridger, yeah. Ezra. Anyway, was come with, on, Helen. I, I know, silly of me. Um, was was with Grand Admiral Thrawn. So there's at least one other potential Jedi-ish person out there. Mm-hmm. So you're okay. So we're we're very very tied in, obviously, to the animated series mm. uh, in the show, which is great for me as a long-standing fan of those shows. And the fact that, yes, Ezra is still knocking around, as far as I can tell. But I know, that's probably where they're going to go, in fairness. But I would be really excited if somehow Luke turned up. And fucked the whole thing up, obviously, yeah. being Luke. But, <laughs> you know, like sat on Baby Yoda or squashed him within five seconds. And, and that's the thing that drove him to Acto, not, not accidentally nearly killing his nephew, who nephew. frankly deserved it because he was a prick. I mean, wow. This, I mean, you're very judgmental well, today, Chris. I canonically, don't, I don't to... at the moment, Luke is training Leia, isn't he? And then he's training, well, presumably yeah, he's this not, is only is he five training years. Ben at this point? Probably, young Ben. Yeah, that's right. This is only five years in. He hasn't gone to Acto yet. No, he's not an yeah, Acto. You're quite yeah. right. He's still training Leia. They're running around doing stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, could he wouldn't have because Ben wouldn't even. But has Ben even been born at this I think point? He's born. Sorry, yeah. I'm not going to call him Ben. Kylo Ren has Kylo Ren. <laughs> he hasn't earned that name, Ben. Oh. Uh, has Kylo Ren been even born yet? I believe at so, this yes. point. Yes, because we're like 25 he, years out from the Force Awakens at this point, aren't we? So yes, yes, he has. So what age is he meant to be in well, those movies? Adam Driver. I think he's age. like late twenties, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been born. He's a he's kind of toddling around, starting school. He's you know, much the same size as Baby Yoda at this point. <laughs> so Han and Leia, what got down to the nasty, nasty, you know, or as Ernie Klein might call it, the or I, I know it's Shakespeare as well, but as Ernie Klein, the, the writer of our of our age, might call it, oh the, God. he made the beast with the two backs. Oh, mm. no. I think that happened about five seconds after the credits on uh, on Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think either of them were waiting around. I mean, my God, straight, have you seen them? Straight from Yub Nub to uh, um, <laughs> to Rub ooh. Rub No, Rub Nub Yub Nub to Rub Nub. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Did he take her up the end or? Oh, Chris, God. no. That's not, Chris, that's not how babies are made. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
Oh, God. The amount of people who subscribe to this podcast are now <laughs> rapidly unsubscribing and cancelling their subscriptions. <laughs> what? Yub nub to rub nub. I will not listen to this filth. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to have to tick explicit on this one. Oh, Christ. Oh, it's, it's already ticked. It's, it comes pre-ticked. <laughs> Do you think Khan likes to have Chewy watch? <laughs> the beast, the beast with Chewbacks is what you're <laughs> Chewie, get in that wardrobe and don't say it, don't make a noise. Do you think that's what really drove them apart? Yeah. Yes. Like, why do you insist on having your hairy manservant type thing just watch every time we, you know, make sweet love, Han? Get in there, you great furry oaf. I don't care what you smell. <laughs> no, come on. No. What? This is disrespectful to General Leia, and I will not stand for it. <sighs> Dear Lord. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, where were we? Yes. Okay, so my Luke Skywalker theory, you guys think it's going to be Ezra um, or someone no, else? No, I don't think it's going to be Ezra necessarily, but I think someone else is well within the margin of error. Yeah. But look, okay. the thing is, like, Mando just takes that. Oh, okay. And he goes, thank you. And then fucks off. It's like, she's it's like, maybe a Jedi. Just train him. <laughs> Her whole thing was just like, actually, I'm just not going to do yeah, it. I'm just, yeah. There's no even a reason for it. She's not saying he can't be there trained. There is absolutely a reason for it. Saying, there is a reason for this, it. Go off to this temple and, you know, you'll find a Jedi to train him. It's like, you're, you're here. You're like, what are you doing? You are not... Bu- I've seen your schedule. You are not busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she has... No, she has previous with Jedi who are tempted by the dark side. Jedi who fear, Jedi who have attachments uh, that are maybe inappropriate, and Jedi who go completely batshit fucking crazy and kill all the younglings in the temple like she has happened once it happened once yeah but it happened to her master and i feel like she's probably she she quit the jedi order didn't she like in protest as as Mm. as is my understanding what i resigned yes that's it yeah i've sent in a letter of resignation she got made redundant yeah dear master yoda it has come to my attention (laughs) recently that anakin skywalker has been massacring loads of younglings (laughs) and uh and acting as an evil agent of the sith i I must protest in the strongest possible terms and tender my resignation (laughs) which I hope you will accept immediately. Yours, Ahsoka Tano. The letter writes itself. It does. It really it does. does. And then she followed up with a strongly worded pamphlet campaign. And uh... Well, I hope she printed enough leaflets. That's the main thing. She had evidently got one to uh, Luke Skywalker because he was down with the whole uh, kill the Jedi Order thing uh, on Acto. Would you, like, uh, would you like an Ahsoka Tano fact? Sure. No, not that yep. she's a Togruta, which of course you will know. Obviously. But you notice she has purest white lightsabers. Yes. Uh, mm. Now, these were originally red lightsabers. They were Sith lightsabers taken off <gasps> an Inquisitor, and she purified the Kyber crystals with the power of the Force, turning the blades purest white. Also, Sweet. side note, she has a notice she has a long a long blade and a short blade in the Daisho mm. Japanese fashion. But of course, as you as samurai experts will know, they didn't traditionally dual wield the wakizashi and the katana together. Oh, the no. wakizashi was more of a backup for close quarters and of course ritual seppuku. Do you ever bore yourself? <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's freaking cool. Like I she think is the cool Rosario Dawson. Yeah. And all of that stuff, know. like when she's like she's disappearing into the mist and the shadows mm. and taking out those those I mean, that was some cool shit, wasn't that it? That was really good. It was it was a little bit rogue one y, but in a very, very good way. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was spooky. It had a slightly like horror vibe, the way that she was sort of in the shadows popping up and sort of dispatching people. And it mm. kind of reminded me as well on the more heroic sense of 
Batman Begins, the way yes. that his whole thing is, I'm yes. going to weaponize fear against you and you won't know where I am and I'm just going to pop out and say, boo. <laughs> Although I will say, if you're going to be a stealth assassin, having two blades that glow with like a thousand megawatts of white light is maybe not <laughs> ideal, but you know. Oh, but it feels very Christmassy. It, I thought it was very, very on point. I will also say, I fucking loved the planet. I loved uh, I loved mm. the, the like Corvus. I, I thought that that kind of dead foresting, it had a real, I mean, this is quite a niche gaming reference, but it had a real sort of dark, soulsy vibe. Like it had this. Oh, nihilistic... I was going to say Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, but that too. But Shadow of the Colossus has has a sort of verdant feel to it as well. But it has that same mm. sort of mournful, slightly just dour, depressing sort of hollow feel about it. Mm. And I thought it was really effective. The production design in this episode was fucking brilliant. Like everything mm, looked absolutely great. Gorgeous. The sort of the mist yeah. shrouding the little city, the walled city, and it had a had a real sense of place and Very tone and atmosphere. City. Yeah, okay. A tiny little <laughs> township, if you will. We can't all be big cities, Chris. It's like it's like Helen's point last week about the uh, the geography of Dave Navarro and how far away everything is from me from everything else. And it's <laughs> the same thing here. It's like he lands and obviously when he lands, presumably Mando scans the planets for life forms, and so mm. he automatically goes towards a place that has the most life forms. But this is a very, very small sort of township. Um, at one point, Ahsoka calls it a village. I'm okay with that. It's a village. And then he goes, All right, so I've got to look for Ahsoka Tano. Oh, she's out there somewhere. And he walks for about a minute and finds herself like, how far away is everything at this point? How small is this planet? It's probably the size of Altrinum, as far as I can find. He said he'd been walking for a couple of days, I think, hadn't he? Well, she, no, she gives she gives it one day. She gives him one day, you know, she gives him the ultimatum at the beginning, doesn't she? She goes uh, to Morgan Elspeth and she goes, ha ha, I'll be back in a day, you dickhead. Which doesn't make any sense, though, because she isn't back in a day, can I just say? Well, she gets distracted, doesn't she? Well, yeah, but like, you know, if you if you set a deadline and you say, I'm coming mm-hmm. back in a day, here is mm-hmm. my hardcore deadline and, you know, then I'm going to kill you or whatever. Like, you would expect to actually turn back, turn up. You know, it seems rude. She likes to be unpredictable. I guess. She needed to have uh, a team of people extending and negotiating an extension to the deal, Helen, is basically what she she needed. I mean, a a negotiation would have been wise because now time's up and it's all, you know, hard exit. Yeah. Does anyone know the name of the town, the village? Yeah, they the were told, we we heard it in the in the previous episode. He was told to go to the city of Celadon, wasn't it, on the planet <gasps> of Corvus? Yes. So he was given a specific city to aim for. So there may be more than one city slash village on this not terribly friendly looking uh, planet. But but maybe it's just like rainy slash burny season, and maybe it's a verdant wonderland for most of the year. Well, maybe the outtakes show that he actually went to like 15 separate other places first. <laughs> like, we, we just don't see that. <laughs> Hi, any yes. Jedi here? No, fuck off. Right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> every, every episode is actually 14 hours long. <laughs> it's just a Mando travelogue show, which I have to say, I would watch mm. the hell out of that. Well, it's, cool. like, it's like a trip to Greece, but with just him and Baby Yoda just having meals in various little places. <laughs> Doing terrible impressions of Roger Moore <laughs> yes. and, and Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, you've got to try the Sancerre. It's extraordinary. <laughs> no, no. Michael Caine's voice is lower as he gets older. <laughs> she was only 16. That's my impression of Mando doing an impression of Michael Caine. 
thought it was pretty good actually. Wow. Anyway, so um, there's so much stuff to talk about in this episode, mm, and I feel we've come start. at it from a slightly unfocused <laughs> place. And so I want to I want to focus our minds. I want to mm. focus our minds, and mm. I want to focus them specifically on Ahsoka Tano because this is huge. This is a huge thing, and we talked a little bit about the her intro, and I have to say, if you were in any doubt whatsoever that she was going to show up in this episode, they very very quickly cut to the chase. Same thing with Boba Fett, actually. Going mm-hmm. back to episode one, we were going, oh, uh, they've cast Tamura Morrison. Is Boba Fett going to play a role in this season? And then right there at the end of episode one, although crucially, not since, there he is. And right right away in this episode, there's Ahsoka Tano. Mm. I thought it was interesting that Dave Filoni, as the director of this episode, didn't do a big hero reveal. There was just like a, a shot where it was just, oh, that's, that's her. Okay, that's, that's cool. I think it's a really cool hero shot actually it's just it's an action one so it doesn't yeah Yeah. it doesn't linger on one specific sort of moment but there is when she is first revealed in the light of the lightsabers you can feel like if you saw that in the cinema the people would go what and then there'd be cheering and clapping and such and there'd be some people going who's that (laughs) <laughs> like when Thanos appeared at the end of Avengers. Yeah, it's Hellboy! It's Hellboy! <laughs> <laughs> and then you got people going, well, actually, um, you've got to watch approximately 85 seasons of an animated series now <laughs> in order to get caught up. But really, really cool. And um, I have to say, having seen her now in live action kicking all sorts of butt, why do we need Kylo Ren and Rey, for example? <laughs> She's pretty badass. Yeah, she's awesome. Is Ahsoka Tano, and I presume that you know she isn't around by the time that the um, the sequel trilogy kicks in. But um, you never Who know. Knows? It's a big galaxy. Oh well, it is sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I will. I would like to take issue with something that Ahsoka Tano says at one point. We seem to have retcon yaddle out of existence there's a point where she goes i've only known one other being like this it's like there's two of them on the fucking jedi council what are you talking about maybe she's never met yaddle i don't remember from my extensive viewing of the cartoons but i guess it's theoretically possible even lucas though kind of retcon yaddle out of existence you know uh is she right yes Yaddle's Yaddle's a a, a Lady Yoda. Hashtag Yoda Fox. Uh, she's a lady and uh, she's not in attack of the clones and she's not uh, purged in Order 66. That we know of. Maybe she'll mm. turn up in this Jedi temple. <gasps> it's going to be Yaddle, isn't it? Yaddle's going to be the one who turns up to train baby Yoda. And she's going to be his mum. Oh, it's going to be so <laughs> oh, great. No. It's going to be so good. So um, are we going to see Ahsoka Tano again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Surely. Yes. Right. We are. Um, because she's got that, she's jonesing for Thrawn. Yeah, that's it. Like, there's no way you drop Grand Admiral Thrawn and then, like, never pick it up again. Grand Admiral Thrawn, of course, being people who watch the animated series will know because he turned up in that. That is not where he originates. He, of no. course, originates in Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy, which were the series of novels that turned up and saved Star Wars. When Star Wars had gone off the boil, you know, a few years, uh, Return of the Jedi had been and gone, and, like, it was in the wilderness. Nothing new Star Wars was coming out. People had lost interest in Star Wars. Timothy Zahn released a trilogy of books which resurrected interest in Star Wars. Um, uh, so actually, they're, they're they're very important books. They're also pretty good, and they're mm. not they weren't canon because no, whenever not for a long time. whenever Lucasfilm was acquired mm. by Disney, they were part of the Great Purge, the Great mm. Order sixty six of all extended universe stuff. And then Dave Filoni loved the character so much that he wanted to bring him back into the animated series, and so he's back in again. Yeah. So yeah. you know, just when he Wrong thought he again. was out, they pull him back in. Yeah, he's yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, and he's blue. And he's blue. He's blue, yeah. with red eyes. 
Not in a sad way. He's just blue, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's blue. Yeah, he's a bit eory. Can't do any more, otherwise we have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, I thought that uh, Rosario Dawson was uh, simply terrific, which is mm. an abbreviation of terrific. <laughs> well, that really saved time, Chris. Yes, thanks. Thanks. I think even between Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano, they've done a really good job of taking these very stylized character designs from the animated series. I have to say that's something that does slightly put me off the animated series. I don't love how they look, um, but they've taken, yeah, what are very sort of stylized designs. And you look at it and go, I don't quite know how that would look mm. in live action. And they've nailed it. put it into live action and mm. it just looks great it. Yeah. it just it looks exactly like it does in the animated series while also somehow crossing that boundary into sort of realism that um i think really works i'm slightly confused the fleshy things around her head that 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 is attached to that's, her that's that is part, part of, of her, her head, head. Yeah. so a bit like the way the twi'leks have those head tentacles the tegruta have that kind of head crest thing yeah mm. the, f- Come on, the, ben. the nerd is strong with james today <laughs> isn't it? i mean my I can't god believe, can't believe ben doesn't know that and yeah, yeah she's she is a formidable fighting force, is mm. Ahsoka. I loved her showdown at the end with Morgan Elspeth. Could I also drop in a Morgan Elspeth fact? Morgan Elspeth is sure. played by Diana Lee Inosanto, the daughter mm. of Dan Inosanto, who was Bruce Lee's training partner who, and who I myself have trained with during my martial arts days. He's a bit, oh, of, he's cool. a, bit of a legend, Dan Inosanto is. So, yeah, that's her dad. Really? Mm. Yeah, and she is Bruce Lee's goddaughter mm. and is also has a phenomenal history as a martial artist herself. So if there was one thing I was a little bit disappointed with in this episode is that we didn't actually get more fighting from her. She was very much, it looked almost like she was striking poses to make Ahsoka look good. Yeah, I know what you mean. Not in universe, but on screen, it felt like she was sort of uh, very much helping Rosario Dawson look awesome, which she did. And And I felt like I wanted to see her cut loose. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that would have been I'd like to see more of that. Because I also, I love the idea and the setup that you have early on, that Beskar versus lightsaber, that Beskar still Mm. stops lightsabers. And they set that up quite early, which is nice. Also, Ahsoka Tano, it's like, I mean, she's supposed to be a Jedi. Like, she tried to kill the shit out of him, even though he's got a child with him, but without even asking his name. Seemed a bit harsh. Anyway. I mean, in her defense, he had theoretically been sent to kill her. He didn't. She knows. In her defense, she's on a planet where everything and everyone is hostile towards her, so she's going to treat everybody as as an enemy. And she didn't know he had a child with him until on the rock. She should have sensed it, yeah, I guess. Exactly. But maybe she just, you know, wanted to take the child for herself. He's so gosh darn cute. Yeah. But I like the way they set that up. And then she had like Beskar spear versus lightsabers. I mean, that was quite cool, mm. wasn't it? It was nice. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Really, really liked that. And I also loved the uh, the the juxtaposition, the 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 cutting between that and the the rather more sedate duel, <laughs> shall we say, well, between Michael Bean's Lang, that's apparently that's what his name yeah. is, and Amanda. Um, I mm. also felt like that was maybe a bit of a Tombstone nod. Obviously, Michael Bean played Johnny mm. Ringo in Tombstone, and it felt like that Doc Holliday, I'm your Huckleberry sequence, you know, where it's all a bit quick draw. I don't know whether that was intentional, whether it was just me, but I, I thought that was nice. I was impressed by the quickness of Mando's draw, though. He is so flipping quick off the yeah. mark. It was very, very cool, especially seeing him sort of like relinquish and then like be even faster than Michael Bean. Mm. Yeah. It was really cool. But then you you looked at Lang and you, he just looked so crafty. I mean, there was absolutely no way he was going to put down one weapon without picking up another. I was just looking at his face. I mean, dude, get a poker face. Mando's yeah. just waiting for everybody in the galaxy to one by one betray him. 
<laughs> he's 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 ready for it. He's all he knows. Literally everybody has sort of second guessed him at this point. He, yeah. he expects yeah. it. This episode once again, they were traded on that idea of Mando arrives on a planet and is just a perfect addition to someone's plan. He just shows up always at the right time. And you wonder what would have happened to these people had he not shown up. How would Cobb Fanth have dealt with the Crate Dragon, for example? How would Bo-Katan have, you know, completed that mission, that raid mm. on the Imperial ship, had Mando not just shown up? And here they're going, oh, we need, oh, we need someone to kill this Jedi. Oh, oh, here's a Mandalorian. He's <laughs> <laughs> got loads of Beskar steel. Oh my God, heaven be praised. Um, it's a little bit convenient, but uh, but this time at least he saw the double cross and whatnot coming, so yeah. he was he was totally ahead of the game for once <laughs> i mean i guess you know it, it's kind of the the wandering knight mo- the knight errant model the it's knight the errant. ronin model mm. that we've seen in lots of japanese movies as well the mm. gunslinger model in every western mm. ever there's always something for a man of violence to do in these worlds it feels like. and i like that he has yeah. and it was very pronounced here when he's walking down main street in the little village he has the john wayne swagger with his hand mm. just floating above the holster it's just it's very very cool it really is shall we talk about Baby Yoda. Baby Grogu. For now, his real name has been revealed. I think I have to say, guys, as much as they're going to try and make Grogu happen, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, we've known Mando's real name for about five episodes now. We haven't said it once. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I know what it is. If you put a blaster to my head, I think it might be Jeffrey or Mike or something, <laughs> but I'm not no, no, entirely it's, sure. It's your man. He starred in uh, the, the Artist. Sean de Chardin. There you yes. go. There we go. With Sean, <laughs> Sean de Chardin. De Chardin. Uh, so, will Grogu stick first of all? And are we happy with the name Grogu? Then I I feel I have many complicated feelings about this. I was <laughs> the amount that we learned about Baby Yoda. I'm just like I'm so attached that any sort of new information I just need time to process mm. and to come to terms with it. And my initial feeling was. I'm happy for you, Grogu, but you are always going to be Baby Yoda in my yep. heart, and I would love it if we could just between between us and between all the listeners. He he's always going to be our little Baby Yoda. <laughs> it has to stick. We're still working on calling him the Child. You'll notice. Yeah. So the chances of us going all the way to Grogu seem like a at least bit of a shock. I will take Grogu over the Child. The Child is such an impersonal thing. I think this is why it used to like, or oh, it still does rile me when very very serious people on the internet go, "He's he's called the Child." It's like he's not called the Child. We can call him Baby Yoda. It's as much of a nickname to call him the Child as it is to call him Baby Yoda. I, I soften a little bit more on Grogu because he it. It is a name, and it's a kind of cute name. The more I say it, the more Grogu makes me smile. Grogu, um, I guess it has a similar sort of cadence, or I don't know, structure to Yoda. Grogu, there feels like a bit of a thing yeah. that they're going mm. for there. So yeah. it doesn't. I don't. I don't love it yet, but I don't hate it, which is a lot. That, that's, a big, that's a big concession, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. Well I don't hate it. That's glowing praise indeed from the number <laughs> one baby Yoda <laughs> fanboy. He really is. And and Ben, you must have been just uh, agog with all the baby Yoda stuff that was happening in this episode. He was fiddling with knobs. Yes, he was falling over. The back over in your on, seat oh sequence. With the artfully hidden Texas switch. <laughs> Did you see that? So they have the quite impressive puppeteering maybe CG as he gets onto the, the chair and mm. then Mando's arm just comes into frame and obscures it and then a puppet replaces it and sits upright. upright. <laughs> Very nicely done, I thought. So good. And I just loved the the return of the most important story arc we've seen in the whole show so far, which is the Baby Yoda wanting that yeah. little, the yeah. little yeah. thing yeah. from the, the, the little ball. It's like a lower yeah. load. The fleshy knobs! The knobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's the it's the heart of the show and they ha- they have a habit of this of, of introducing an element and then leaving it for several episodes and then bringing it back so mm-hmm. it's, it was nice to see a return of of that most important of storylines yes. yeah that's foreshadowing and i wonder if that you know this you know maybe one day we'll be able to talk to favs and uh, feloni about the long game that are playing here so when they first introduced that and baby yoda was you know fascinated with that little knob can we call it the yub knob no. <laughs> yep, no. Absolutely not. When they first introduced that, did they know its importance later on? Did they know it was going to be the thing that sort of cemented the bond between Mando and Grogu? Because I was being facetious, but at the same time, it is it, it does speak to the fact that they have had these experiences together. He is attached. Mm. Oh my god, that scene where like you knew you knew that that um, Mando wasn't going to leave him, but that scene where they go back to the ship together to have their like last night together of hanging out before he's going to give him over to Ahsoka. I was like heartbroken by it. But they have uh, all of their experiences are sort of tied into this tangible object, their connection, their relationship can be sort of symbolized by this one little little knob ball thing from the uh yeah from the razor crest cockpit do you think it's ever going to become incredibly important that the ball has been taken off that lever thing uh so that somebody will get impaled on it or something in a key moment in a fight scene <laughs> they'd have to be very small mm. to be impaled wouldn't they it's, i mean it doesn't look very sharp. if that went into your chest you wouldn't be happy about it you wouldn't it wouldn't be a killing blow would no, but it like people know? like think of one of those like arnie movies where like kill somebody on a pipe like that kind mm. of thing. It's like a little pipe. Let us out. some steam, Thrawn. <laughs> yeah. Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be impaled upon that and then go, oh, what was that? Oh, really jabbed into my back. That was quite Ooh. nasty for a second there, but I'm okay like, now. It's a good I've six it inches off. long. If that went through your chest, oh, you'd be in trouble. Is that what six inches looks like, Helen? I don't <laughs> think it is. <laughs> That's what they tell you, is it? I don't know. That looked like a foot to me if it was a day. Um... <laughs> Anywho, uh, what was I saying? Mando, Mando. Yes, but here's the thing. We've said this before, uh, or I've said this before because I'm an idiot, but I was wondering at one point, was this going to be the moment where dramatically, narratively, they do separate Grogu from Din Djarin and he goes off and does Mm. his own thing for a little while and maybe hooks up with uh, Bo-Katan, tries to take back Mandalore. Um, Maybe Boba Fett comes into it somehow because I think that will become a thing Mm. as over the last three episodes. Oh my God, there's only three episodes to go. I thought maybe that's where they were going to go. Meanwhile, Ahsoka would be off with Baby Yoda doing something. Mm. Did you guys think that that's the way it was going to go down at any point? Ben clearly didn't. Yeah, I genuinely worried. Like I thought when he, I, just, I thought no, 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 do not, no, don't give up, don't give up, Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, it didn't happen. Luckily, it didn't happen. Um, did anyone spot the little little hint of Yoda's theme? That, yeah, that Ludwig Goransson yes, dropped very this much. week. So when he says, when, when mm. she says, I sense much fear in him, and you get a little bit of uh, Yoda theme there, which I thought was nice. That was a lovely musical moment. However, mm. it was undone by, what the fuck was up with the medieval pipe music towards the end? I enjoyed it. But that was great. I, I, was like I was in King Arthur's court. I was like, what is happening? No. That was fantastic. It was like it was like great Augie's municipal yeah. band all over yeah. again. I loved it. <laughs> so here for yes, it. Yes, please. I really like, liked that. Yeah, bringing out the recorders, bringing out the pan pipes. Why not? That's 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 get off our tits had, and dance around. Because this was like following all of that kind of really westerny 
you know, dual sounds for, for yeah. with the, with the music and a really stripped back kind of paired back music, especially when like Ahsoka turns up and there's all that dust blowing in the wind in front of her as she stands at the far mm. end of the street. That was really That's cool. Very cool. Um, so it was kind of you. You were allowed to go a little. Woo-hoo. At the end, <laughs> a little have a little party. It, it felt like it fit with the really sort of Eastern vibe of this episode. Like so much of this series has been Western, mm. but mm. this like Star Wars always oscillates between Western and like samurai cinema. And this was so much down the sort of. It was like literally a, a Japanese settlement with a little walled garden. Mm. Mm. And just down to the fact that they disrobe before they fight. Like it was all yeah. very, very sort of Kurosawa. But actually, the, I thought the the city was more Chinese. The city looked like uh, if you think of like Raise the Red Lantern or something like that, or the sort of Forbidden City or something. It it had very much more of that architecture. It had I thought, a bit of a Naboo feel to it to me. Some sort of the doming of the buildings. There was a little bit of Naboo in there. I, I loved it. I thought the production design was great on this mm. episode, and the effects are more and more becoming seamless. Uh, you know, I, I still I think they're still doing that thing where they project the action behind them on the giant TV they got from Curry's <laughs> in a Black Friday deal. Uh, that's my understanding of how it works that anyway. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> you know, Favreau banging the remote control. Why is it not working for the love of God? <laughs> but yeah, so that looks great. And they also do these really clever things where, you know, there's enough foregrounding of reality. And they do this a little bit in the MCU stuff as well, where they have enough of a set to get that feeling of people are walking on something, they're actually picking mm. something up. Lucas didn't always do that on the prequels. And I think you can feel that, the artif- the artificiality mm. of the fact that people are literally just walking on a blue mattress against a green background, and then they fill everything in later. I think they've learned, and they stud, and yeah. they layer the yeah. they if, layer the frame. Yeah, it feels much more lived in and real and like interactive yeah. and tactile. Yeah, and I was wondering as well, like how much... Of this thing, because, you know, we're talking about how small the, the, the village was, but, you know, I was looking at some of those sets going, this is a fairly impressive build here. Like mm. that that ornamental garden yeah. uh, in yeah. which uh, Morgan faces off, touche, touche, uh, with <laughs> with Ahsoka. Uh, you know, that that looked like a really, really elaborate set to me. Mm. It probably wasn't, but it looked that. It was really cool. And and again, there was a, a nice contrast to the kind of blasted world outside that the village is protected somehow from mm. that. And, or it's certainly that she is protected from that. The village is still all grey and kind of lifeless looking. Her garden is a, a marked, very, very clear contrast to that. So the magistrate seems to be keeping mm. um, the best stuff back for herself. Yeah, for putting sure. everyone else in those rather nasty little electric torture cages. Which is yeah. uh, quite dark. Do not like. Do not like at all. We don't see what happens to her. Is she still knocking around? Is she is she imprisoned at the end? It's not a test, but I, I am asking, you know, whether you what do you think might have happened to I her? I think Ahsoka killed the shit out of her. I think Ahsoka handed her over to the people. And then and they tore her to pieces, yeah. I mean <laughs> you couldn't really argue with them if they did, but I think they probably put her in prison, but we'll see. She went full Ben Kingsley in sneakers. I cannot kill my friend. Kill my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that Morgan had two HK80 assassin droids, which I'm... HK87. Are they HK87? Oh, oh, I got the God. number wrong. Okay, HK87. Well, they... Uh, I'm assuming that is a reference to HK47, who is the homicidal sociopathic assassin droid from Knights of the Old Republic. So i uh, assuming these are the more, more sort of recent modern models because old mm. republic you wouldn't still be using a 47 model thousands of years later so clearly they've gone up to hk 87 but if it's thousands of years later that's only 40 generations improved yeah. so mm. maybe they're very reliable <laughs> yeah 
A, th- a thousand years later, mm. we're not going to be on the PlayStation 12, yeah. are well, we? Well, you never know. I mean, maybe we will. We could be. You know, Apple has slowed down its rollout of new numbers. You know, maybe it's something similar. There are new numbers? <laughs> <laughs> I, like for iPhones and stuff. Yeah, All I right. feel like there's a... There's a there's a sense of a galaxy that's in decline, isn't it? In, in Star Wars, generally, Recession. like a lot of banged yeah. up, yeah. yeah, a lot of banged up ships and everything else. So you know, Do, does anybody else hear Knights of the Old Republic to Knights of the Round Table, uh, the tune of Knights of the Round Table in their head? No, we're Knights okay. of the Old Republic. Republic da, we da, dance da, 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 whenever da, da. Yeah. able. I don't know. It doesn't yeah. really rhyme. But. Doesn't doesn't scan. Does okay. It? Uh, okay. So what have we talked about? We talked about Ahsoka. Anything else you want to say about Ahsoka? Yes. Oh, hello. The obviously it it turned out that uh, when Ahsoka met Baby Yoda, she was sort of learning about him and sort of conversing with him through the Force. But I found it very very relatable that when she met him, she basically just sat down for a full minute and looked at him. <laughs> <laughs> they were just staring at each other, and that kept happening. And I was like, "Oh, this is adorable!" Mm. And this is exactly what I would do if I met Baby Yoda. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I have to. I loved every single time once we learned his real name or the the name that he's pretending to be his real name. Every time Mando says it, Grogu, he just whips yeah, his head around like, hmm? and goes, yes, <laughs> what? Yeah. Grogu? Yes, that's me. I'm Grogu. That was This lovely. is going to continue to endear me to the phrase Grogu because <laughs> yeah, it it, the fact that he reacts so strongly to it every time, that was that was super sweet as well. Mm. Like, yeah, the first time Mando says it, he visibly reacts to it was was great. That's really cool. Um, it, in that sequence as well, I liked that, um, obviously, before they get the little ball from the Razor Crest, um, <laughs> that the initial thing they try is the classic, you use the force for floating rocks. Mm. That was what yeah. they. Uh, that's what Ahsoka first tried. I thought at one point they were going to do a full kind of neighbors uh, thing with was it Mrs. Mangle's dog, and you know they were going to have bouncer and they were going to have like Mando at one end of the whatever <laughs> clearing and Ahsoka at the other end and Baby Yoda had forced to choose between them. Luckily they didn't oh go that god, way. Oh god, I remember that episode. Don't Come you to remember me. that? Come that to was, me. Oh my god, bouncer. <laughs> I thought you meant the bit where Bouncer had a dream sequence. Do you remember that? I do not remember Neither that. Do now. I. What did I you dream of? that out. Uh, I, I, if I remember, rabbits. it was something like that. He was, he was in a he was in a clearing, and there was there were things, and he was running after them, and he was wearing sunglasses. Did he dream of loth cats? There was a loth cat in this episode. That's cute. Mm. I loved that little reaction during the sort of stalking round the round the city, yeah. village, whatever. Did you ever see Sunset Beach? The episode where the baby and the Did dog talked to each Sunset other Beach? and recapped everything that had happened well, in, in the a soap who's opera talking so far. Now kind of fashion. Yeah, <laughs> they recapped the entire plot of the entire series before up to that I point. I loved that show. My it was my, uh, my housemates and I at university, we had our names read out on the credits uh, several times. <laughs> we used to we used to write in because um, Channel Five the uh, the credits were so long in Sunset Beach that the continuity announcer would read out fan mail. <laughs> Uh, over the end of the credits of Sunset Beach, and you know, no one took the whole, no one took it seriously, least of all the show itself. And so we would write in stuff, uh, and we got our names read out on air several times. Wow. Uh, it's, I'm thinking of even putting it on my IMDb. This has been your Sunset Beach spoiler special. Uh, one interesting thing that Ahsoka does um, with Grogu is, mm. I'm, I'm trying, guys. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> trying. One thing she does with Grogu is I think she confirms something that we've speculated about on the podcast before, you know, about the whole Baby Yoda being a genocidal maniac kind Mm. of thing. And there was a little moment of anger that we have seen from him. And we've been wondering whether there is a little bit of a potential there for some dark side chicanery going on with with a little fella. And she 
basically says as much. You know, she's basically saying, yeah, there is absolutely, you know, I, I can't, he's, he's got too much fear in him already. He has, he's, you know, I haven't got my certificate from the Jedi Council in training because I quit in disgust. And so I can't train him, but maybe someone else can. But, uh, you know, that's an interesting, I think, confirmation of a theory that we had tackled on the show before, that there is darkness in mm. him. Yeah, it, it definitely con- confirms there's darkness in him. I don't think it confirms he cannot become a Jedi, and I don't think it confirms there is no path that way for him, because because she is particularly wary of anyone with a bent to the dark side because of her experiences with Anakin. So I don't feel like her rejection of him on those grounds is necessarily going to be everybody's rejection. I feel like she is going to be much, much warier than your average Jedi of any hint of, you know, impropriety, Mm. of dark sidedness in a person uh, in a way that maybe other Jedi wouldn't be so untrusting sounds harsh. But, you know, she's, she's going to be much, much, much more paranoid about that than the average Jedi. Especially it feels like everybody has that that potential in them and and that what she's getting at is that it's the the fear of loss that then leads to hatred which leads to the dark side which is what happened with anakin and that's why she's saying he needs to stay with you because you're his dad and if 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 he loses you you're the thing that he has a connection to at the moment and that that could be really bad for Mm. him and and anakin's fear of loss started with his mum remember not with, not just with Padme. So that that's a kind of neat parallel to Baby Yoda and Mando. Is Ahsoka's presence in this episode, though, and in this series, also a potential repulse, a potential attempt to head people off at the pass, who say that because, because we don't see Mando and Baby Yoda in the sequel trilogy, and because they're not mentioned in the sequel trilogy, that therefore... This sees this series has to have an unhappy ending. At least one or both of them have to die because Ahsoka Tano is a huge character in Star Wars overall, mm-hmm. but she managed to sit out two live action trilogies pretty much, and here she is. She's still being a major, major player, and presumably she's going to. Well, we know she sat out the sequel trilogy as well. So if she's still alive by that point, of course. So mm. perhaps that's her presence in this is a way of saying, hey, listen. We can be, you can be hugely powerful, you can be hugely significant, but just because we haven't seen you be a factor in the live action movies doesn't mean that you're not going to be significant or, 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 yeah, or that you're, or that you're going to die. Yeah, I agree. Okay. It's a big galaxy. And, and I hope that this is, it's weird, isn't it? Because we're, we're thrilled to see these characters that we've heard of before turn up. But at the same time, you've got to balance that with bringing in new characters and bringing in new worlds and opening up the doors further. And I think that's what The Mandalorian has generally done so far in its run and created new characters who may fit Star Wars kind of stereotypes. There's definitely parallels to existing characters and a lot of the people we meet in The Mandalorian, but they're new. And I think they have to do this balancing act between bringing in these very, very popular fan favourites and also going in new directions because apart from anything else as you say it gives a reason for those characters not to be there in the sequel trilogy and what we've seen so far mm. I, I think that's why I feel conflicted about about Chris's theory pet theory about Luke Skywalker coming back mm. because on the one hand oh it would God. be kind of exciting and amazing and we'd be it was it would be all we'd talk about on the pod that week and at the same time my favourite parts of this series so far of this show have been them heading into new territory or kind of yeah heading off to different planets and him getting involved in different like if the whole point of the show seems to be that it is non-skywalkery and it's already i've really enjoyed this week's episode in fact i think it's 
but very possibly the best episode of the show so far, which we seem to say each week at the moment because this series yeah, is on a roll. It gets better every week. That's extraordinary. It gets better every week. But it, it's a huge thing that the whole point of this show is that it's it's the Mandalorian. It's not about the Jedi. And now it's the big thing that we're all talking about is the fact that there is a Jedi here. Mm. And that is great. But at the same time, I don't want the show to get too consumed by that yeah. because part of its identity is exploring all the other stuff. I don't think that Luke comes in and... and <laughs> Listen, I've already got Luke in the show in my head, but um, <laughs> I don't think that if Luke came in, that that would be Lat. Mm. You know, I just, I just don't think it would be. Um, I think he wouldn't dominate. You know, they've shown a remarkable discipline in terms of bringing in guest stars. You know, everyone was talking about, as I said earlier on, Boba Fett being the big guest star of this season. We're five episodes in. He's been on screen for about five and a half seconds mm. so far. Ahsoka Tano comes in and yes, she's a huge focal point of the episode. Um, even down to getting the coolest battle of the episode, but she's not going to dominate it. You know, Bukatan didn't dominate. So it's still going to remain the Mando show, even mm. if Luke were to and show we've up. We've already got a quite a few dangling threads. We've got the Bo-Katan Mandalore mm. thread, which is unresolved. And will it be resolved? Yeah. I've no idea. We've got the Thrawn thread. Will that be resolved? I've no idea. Are they setting these stuff up to potentially revisit down the line in other seasons? I don't see, because those for each one of those things feel like season-spanning massive story arcs that they may or may not. I mean, they certainly won't wrap them up, I wouldn't think, this in the next three episodes. Mm. So... And we've got Thrawn potentially as well as Gideon. Mm. Like, how do those two relate to each other? Do they relate to each other? Are they rivals for whatever's left of the Imperial forces yeah. in the area? Like, is one working for the other? And if so, who is, you know, in charge? Genuinely, so we've got three episodes left. Do we go to Mandalore? Do we meet Thrawn? Do we deal with the dark troopers and Gideon? I have no fucking clue. Yeah, and we, we expect to see, as we did with the first season... You know, I'm expecting to see a lot of these people come yeah. back in. You mm. know, Boba Fett. Well, quite. We need Boba Fett. <laughs> we need Cobb Fanth. Will Cobb Fanth and his incredible yeah, hair come in oh. to save the day? Will you know? Will we see Grief Karga and Cara Dune again, or are we literally going to get to see these people once, uh, once a show, once a, once a season? I think the way that Mando is approaching this is almost in a way revolutionary for TV. I can think of one television show in particular, of course, folks, that focused solely on its lead character and didn't have a troupe of, you know, uh, an ensemble around him. And that was, of course, the greatest television show of all time, Columbo. <sighs> so I think it's good that Favs and Filoni are taking a leaf out of the Great Lieutenant's book for this one. And I'm loving how disciplined they're they're being because the temptation for them would be next week, okay, it's a, it's a, it's an Ahsoka episode, mm. but it's not. We're sticking... Very, very much with uh, with Mando's POV. Couple of last questions before we have we have quite a few questions from listeners this week, and I'm going right. to try and race them as, as best we can. Uh, but I have to say, we only got a glimpse, just a glimpse of Mando versus Ahsoka. But I thought it was fucking mm. cool. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Um, and it was nice that both of them were kind of playing to their strengths. And, you know, he has multiple weapons at his uh, at his disposal. He can switch from one to the other really, really fast. But she's also really crafty and, and really, really quick to react. That move with the pulling him off the ground, mm. basically, and forcing him to cut his own uh, whatever grappling thingy. Ho hospital thing. <laughs> hospital yes. thing i mean he had to cut his own hospital thing and uh and then she was able to easily escape her bonds as well brilliant absolutely brilliant loved it mm -hmm. yeah great stuff all right should we have some questions sure all right here's the first one it comes from at jd messias on twitter this episode of mando was so good is this as good as star wars gets now should dave filoni and team be upgraded to film mm -hmm. duty yes 
<laughs> Ben's Ben's like, I cannot go through this again today. <laughs> I've already <sighs> yeah. given him my anti-Skywalker rant once today. <laughs> what happened yesterday, by the way? On Twitter, there was seemed to be just suddenly... There was a huge Star Wars debate and people were suddenly banging on about Rogue One being great and then other people were defending Rise of Skywalker and it just seemed to come out of nowhere. What happened? I have no idea. I honestly, I think, genuinely think what might have kicked it off was just like a viral post from a Star Wars fan um, account with four Star Wars films that included Rogue One and Rise of Skywalker saying, if you had to lose one of these Star Wars films, <laughs> which would you lose? So it's like, oh, well. it's like the Chris's email and oh no. So oh, I think that's how it began. But genuinely, <laughs> here we are again. Um, I was really delighted by that because I clicked on the trending topic, Rise of Skywalker, and there was genuinely more positivity about that film than I have seen in the last 12 months in a way that made me very happy. Because I do genuinely really like a lot of that film. I like that film overall, and there are lots of things in it that I do really like. And I think trying to pitch the Mandalorian against the movie stuff, like... It's all Star Wars. It can all exist. Mm. I love that trilogy for everything that it did. And I am absolutely delighted every week with The Mandalorian. And isn't it amazing that we're in a time when all of Mm. this exists, when all of those films happened in the last like five years, which was just a joy every Christmas. As much as I love The Mandalorian, I feel a little bit sad at the moment that we're running up to Christmas mm. and it it feels like there should be a big Star War that I can or, go out to my cinema and see. You can go out to the cinema and see. <laughs> Fingers crossed for Wonder Woman. Come on. Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm kind of missing, I, I am missing that, but um, this series of The Mandalorian is really, really helping. I just think, look, Filoni has shown time and time again, as we are all huge fans of the animated series, that he knows how to do this stuff in this way, in an episodic way. And I, I, yeah, I'd love to see if they gave him a, a, a film. I'd love to see what he did with it. But the thing that he seems to be really, really good at is digging into the long-term story arcs and mm. fleshing out mm. like bits of the world in a in a longer form way. So I don't think it's a case of him being like less prominent in Star Wars because he's on TV. And I love what J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson did with the movies. So that is that's that's that on that for me <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i i've said this before i think this is the best iteration of live action star wars since the original trilogy mm. and uh you know and it gives me the warm fuzzies you know in a way that doesn't feel like cheap fan service every single week there's you know i i cannot wait to watch this show yeah in a way that the sequel trilogy just didn't for me not even the good one and uh <laughs> sorry but- which Why one Chris? Do you do this <laughs> there are two to choose from <laughs> well two to choose from but no three to choose from i'm only kidding i'm only kidding but yeah i just i love this show and and uh i really really hope the quality doesn't dip um mm. At Ticklish Teapot, what a great name. I haven't read this question, so I hope that it's actually good. Uh, who, Johnny Favs, mm. how dare you call him Johnny Favs? You don't know him like we do. And Dave F seem to be, how come he only gets Dave F? Seem to be on a streak of choosing people I love to be on the show from Amy Sedaris, Brian Posehn, uh, Clancy Brown, Timmy Oliphant, and now Michael Bean. Uh, my question is, who else from the pot of awesome people would you like to see in the show? He goes on to say, Jeffrey Combs as an Imperial scientist or mm. Dolph Lundgren. Yes. Who would you like to see? I would like to see Kurt Russell and he can have his Christmas Chronicles beard. He can do whatever he wants. It would be great. Wait, are we talking Kurt Russell with his beard from the Christmas Chronicles and Timothy Oliphant with his just general hair? Oh my God. God, can I (laughs) just put those two together? (laughs) Oliphant's hair onto Russell's face. No, 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 no. Russell's face already is perfect as it is and his hair is perfect. No changes there. Just like 
but we could be watching both of them while listening to Pedro Pascal. Somebody's been reading my fanfic again. Jesus. <laughs> Who else? Who else? Who else? I mean, like, there's obvious people that would be amazing in Star Wars. Tilda Swinton in Star mm -hmm. Wars. Done. Don't even need any prosthetics. She's there. Anton Michael Deck. Shannon, same yes. thing. Yes. Anton Ant Deck. And Deck. Absolutely. Mm. Honestly, I'd lie it. Yeah. Yeah. I was on set of their film Alien Autopsy back in the day. They were delightful. Oh, actually, Helen, I'm jealous because I've always wanted to meet Anton Deck. They were delightful. Really nice. Oh, I'm sure they were. At N. Cernberger asks, and this is for everybody because we're such fans of the animated shows, what are your thoughts on the length of Ahsoka's Leku or Head Tales? They looked shorter than they were in Rebels and that bothered me a bit during the episode. Yeah, didn't it? It bothered me too. Loads. I was really, <laughs> yeah. really upset, upset by, yeah. by that. That's why I had to watch the episode yeah. twice because I was in such a fury first time around. I, th I think it's probably just camera angles and such. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At Rebecca Crane, a.k.a. Weaver of Threads, another great name, we've now seen many Force users attempting to move on from the fall of the Jedi Order or interpret the nature of the Force. I'm curious to hear the team's thoughts about how, how all these TV show revelations might tie this into what we saw in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I think I think they're mindful of the sequel trilogy. Um, mindful of the mindful. sequel trilogy? Um, but I also think they're not going to try to make this into a full kind of prequel setting up endless details. I mean, like we did discuss the possibility of there being some kind of Snoke relationship to the things we saw in the tank the other week, but I don't think it's going to be a sort of full-on sequel show or prequel show, is it? I, I, you know, an origin of everything we saw in the prequels, origin of the First Order. I mean, because we can't have the Rebellion turning into the Resistance because that would involve more Carrie Fisher than is sadly, you know, available to us. Maybe, as you keep saying, it's a bigger universe, it's a bigger yeah, galaxy yeah, now, maybe. so we, we don't have to have Leia at the heart of everything. I guess we not. We could have, um, for example... A younger version of Max von Sydow's character or something, I guess. Sure. Or Sam Tekka. Yeah. I was going to say Admiral Holdo, for example. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, bring more of the whole you know. Ooh, sold. All right. Yeah. I think rather than being a full-on sort of fleshed out prequel to the sequel era, I think it, <laughs> I just quite like already that it is just drip feeding those things. I, I do feel like those things in the tank are going to have some kind of Snoke slash Palps uh, connection. And even just the way that it's like, oh, the First Order rose out of the ashes of the Empire and what we are seeing is the scuzzy fanatical dregs of the empire mm. so i think it is natural that we'll start to see a few things that you go oh well i guess this connects to that further down the line even if it's not fully bringing in sort of characters or locations mm. or whatever mm. from from those films I, I i would really enjoy that a little bit of bread crumbing i've i liked that sort of hint mm. with, with the with the tank stuff i'm intrigued to see if we learn more about that by mm. the end of the series mm. yeah but we'll see absolutely uh at luke feasy uh, is clearly a man after my own heart because he says, given the levels of fan service a show provides, what do you think the odds of the child being eventually delivered to a de-aged Luke Skywalker are? <laughs> I think they're a high, Luke. I think <laughs> you and I should have a chat about bringing Luke back. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know where the show goes after that, mm. you know, unless Luke... I, I think he might turn up. I, I just... That's where my mind immediately went when she said you know, maybe another Jedi just passing by the planet might turn up. And I was just thinking, which Jedi would be powerful enough to detect that beacon? And for me, it's Luke. But, you know, as you say, Ezra's still knocking around. Uh, at Sam Clements of the wonderful 90 <laughs> Minutes or Less Film Festival podcast um, says, 
Uh, I noticed there's been a lot of comments so far from the panel about how padded Mando's helmet might hmm. be. I'm uh, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, in Rebels and Clone Wars, the Mandalorians wear a little padded swimming cap, but the lads in the live action show have been unsheathed so far. Good old Sam, he's immediately plugged into our level using the word helmets and hmm. unsheathed <laughs> in the same comment. <laughs> I'm not touching that helmet. Wow. Well, blimey. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy if um, the, the the show is really building up to to the idea that that Dingerin is gonna drop his Who? helmet? <laughs> Jean Dujardin. Jean Dujardin is is gonna slowly relinquish the the idea that he has to keep the helmet on all the time, yeah. and it builds up to this huge moment. And Pedro Pascal takes the helmet off, and he's got a funny little swimming cap on. He's got a little, <laughs> little, little, just a little hat, little, little, oh, no. uh, little, little wings on his arms, little, little inflatable arm wings. That would be bad. He's got great hair as well. Oh. Little speedos. Do you think he's going to take his mask off, and that's what's going to make Baby Yoda say his first words, which is, "Oh, what is that? Put that back on." I hope he's exfoliating at night. You know, like being having your skin covered all day can't be good for him. I did wonder if where this was heading with this episode and and kind of building up the idea that that there is a real proper connection between Baby Yoda mm. and and Mando and that I don't know Ahsoka was getting at how important that was and and that they really connect with each other that with this sort of implanting the idea that he could take the helmet off I do did wonder if that was where he this was going to go mm. or what we might see in the next couple of episodes of him yeah. Yeah. around Baby Yoda just being like. We need to see, look each other in the eye. We have this connection. This is not the way, Ben. I wonder if that's something we're going to see soon. I thought that too. I thought that too. I thought he was going to take his, his helmet off uh, when he was trying to communicate with, with Grongorok or whatever his name is. Um, I thought that's what was what they were going to do. Uh, at Tim from Wales uh, says, what do we think? We talked about this a bit already, but what do the team think of the Ahsoka versus the Magistrate duel? Where does it rank amongst classic lightsaber uh, it's fights? It's not that high. I think it's one of those things if yeah, mm. if they'd had more time mm. and you know they did more with the environment. But I, st- I thought it was still pretty good in terms yeah. of setting her up as an adversary who mm. could actually divest Ahsoka of one of her lightsabers. That mm. was pretty impressive. Presumably she summons it back with a force, right? You'd think, wouldn't you? Or she just goes, ah, leave it, it's in a yeah. pond. It's all wet now, it's covered in duckweed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite thing about the fight, um, which is not damning it with faint praise, but I genuinely loved the sound of mm. her lightsabers against Beskar Steel. Like, uh, the sounds of Star Wars are amazing. It's one of the things that makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars, and that was a great new Star Wars mm. sound. The specific sort of um, crackle and, and hiss of it hitting Beskar and not and sort of reflecting off it as it's being pushed against it. And also the light on her face from the lightsaber. So the light on um, Morgan's face from the lightsaber mm. was just really well done as well. Really, really nice. At Levi XPMA asks, should the show lean into this connected universe idea or simply sprinkle in references to the larger world whilst remaining mostly self-contained. And I guess this is a, an accusation you could level at this episode in particular. Mm. But I also feel that newcomers to the show and people who, like ourselves, are not steeped, unlike ourselves, are not steeped in the animated shows, will just go, oh, this is a new character called Ahsoka Tano we haven't heard before. Mm. And then whenever she says Grand Admiral Thrawn's name, yes, there'll be a lot of people who will go, oh, Jesus Christ. And other people will go, oh, okay, I don't know who that character is, but perhaps there's someone cool we might see down mm. the line. So I don't, I, I, know, I know some people might have a problem with maybe potentially perceived cynicism on the part of the makers of the show in terms of sprinkling that in and making sure that, you know, now you have to go and watch this and read this and play that. But I don't know that you have to. No, I don't. I don't think it's that simple. I think there is, mm. of course, elements of fan service and elements of of wanting to. Well, I also think like 
for Filoni personally has you know played such a role in creating and and maintaining and building up these characters that it's absolutely understandable that he would want to kind of keep keep them around and bring them into live action and do something else with them and I don't think that's cynical I think that's um that's his love of the characters and of the world and of what worked and this is really a chance to kind of take the best bits I guess from the animated seasons series and do something new with them and, and put them in a new environment and continue that story uh, in a new way, which is which has got to be cool. And and it would be very hard, I think, for anyone to resist. And I I think you're right, Chris. It, you don't have to have seen those stuff as we all have mm. um, in order to get <laughs> of course. in order to get that, that this woman is a big deal and that Grand Admiral Thrawn is probably someone who is important. I mean, Grand Admiral does not suggest that he sits at home doing nothing. So you know, it's I think I think it's fine. I'm I'm here for mm. it. Can I, can I just say I'm I'm always so glad when we stumble upon a new joke to ram into the ground and just <laughs> and just kick it to death. And this business of us pretending that we've seen Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm I'm hoping to flog it to bits by the by the it's last the new episode. To um, <laughs> really, oh, help me oh, find no. the Where oh, is no. it? Help me find it. Uh, at Joe Fan Funked Two, uh, Fugt Two, uh, is another one who is voting for Luke Skywalker to show up, and he says Luke only knows his father as a Padawan gone astray, so Ahsoka could provide him with a lot of insight on Anakin, That's very true. and possibly even influence his mindset towards the Jedi in Episode Eight. Mm. Uh, and also on my timeline, this isn't a DM, but I've just noticed it on my timeline on Twitter, someone's saying, I want Sebastian Stan to play young Luke Skywalker on The Mandalorian. Mm. That's good casting. That's good <laughs> casting. Uh, Disney Disney has his number, so that could work. I want an episode where Luke communicates with Baby Yoda using the Force, and the episode is just called Luke Who's Talking. <laughs> yes. That was great. I was liked it, that. Was it great? I'll take that, Charity. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Speaking of uh, Luke and Ahsoka at Sea Power 1997, why do you think Ahsoka wouldn't have gone to find Luke after the fall of the Empire? Surely everybody knows about him after Endor. Maybe, I mean, we've seen she has trust issues here. Maybe she doesn't trust him given his father. But he's the hero of the Re yeah, Rebellion. How many people really know that Luke is Darth Vader's son? I would. How I don't imagine many, it was. Well, she knows. She knows Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. She of all people knows that, and she knows he's called Luke Skywalker. So it could be the space equivalent of Light Smith. <laughs> like it might be really it common. It could be. It could be. But we don't have any reason to believe it is. We don't so. have any reason to believe it. Isn't Helen like? Yeah, but like it's a it's a really strong force user called Skywalker. Yeah, but as evidenced by the end of Rise of Skywalker, any old Tom, Dick, or Harry can take on the name Skywalker, and it mean absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> I think it's a good point. I think it's a really good point. Like, what has she been doing? What has she What has she been up to for the last five years? the The fight has been won, Ahsoka. You know, go out there, have a good time, meet up with your Jedi friend. Uh, at Kieran Lee, nineteen seventy, says, "Took me a while to recognize Michael Bean." The voice was what zeroed me in, and he kind of took me out of it a bit. Man, I feel old. No. I don't know about that. I, I kind of feel, if I'm honest, I wanted a little bit more from Michael Bean in this episode. He'd, he'd just been and uh, gone. I f we didn't get enough of him. Yeah. I just don't think we got enough great character moments. And mm. yes, yeah, he's Michael Bean, so he looks grizzled, and when he does get to say stuff, it <laughs> sounds grizzled. But 
I wondered just a little bit more, whether it was a little bit more of a hint of a smile or a little bit of, of playfulness to him. Slightly disappointed with what the show did with him, if I'm completely honest. Wow. So demanding, are you? So demanding. I'm with you. Like, I would like to have seen him as been like the focal point of an episode. It's like in the same way that, mm, you know, even Moff fair. Bosch got more screen time, really, than, than Bean did. And I very yeah. much enjoyed Moff Bosch. I, and I actually thought it was a little bit disappointing that he went for his gun at the end. Whereas, mm. you know, I think sometimes it's okay if you introduce this kind of quirky morality into some of your characters. And the idea that he is just a hard hand, and once he realises that he's not going to win the fight, it would have been quite interesting had he just... Mm dropped his gun and walked away and lived to fight another day. Otherwise, what are you fighting for? If it's just a payday, the payday's just gone out the window. So what's the point? He could loot the palace or the, you know, He could, but if he gets past Mando, then he has to get past Ahsoka Tano and that ain't happening. That's true. Yeah, it perhaps wasn't his wisest move ever. Maybe yeah. he had genuine, genuine loyalty to her. But he waited till after she'd been defeated to make his move. Okay, I'm not saying it's a perfect theory. He's not a master strategist. Maybe he thought it was his best chance was to shoot at the dude and run away. The dude being Mando in this case. The dude being Mando. Uh, it's been a long week. It has been a long week and this has been a long episode of this, but uh, we're coming into the last few. It's been such a fun episode. I just wanted to talk about it forever and ever and ever and ever and never let you guys go. <laughs> Uh, last question comes from at Cantona's Ghost, with everyone being deeply aware of the Star Wars Rebels shows and canon, non-canon mm. legends books. I was wondering who you would like to see take on the potential role of Grand Admiral Thrawn. When, when I saw him many, many times <laughs> in the animated shows, uh, he looked funnily like James Dyer. And I feel like <laughs> you could you could maybe slip into that role. I am Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> wow. Just paint you blue. I quite like to be upgraded to Nerd Grand Admiral on the regular podcast, though. I think we should make that happen. <laughs> nerd Grand Admiral. The problem is we've already got Jason Isaacs voicing the mm. Inquisitor, so we mm. can't go down the Jason Isaacs route. Otherwise, I say, I say Jason Isaacs. Yeah, you want somebody tall with square shoulders. That's about as far as I've got. Do you know who I think, uh, beyond James Dyer, maybe a, a less beefed up Henry Cavill? Yeah, he'd be very good, actually. Not very available, though. Not very no. available. And very, very busy. Yeah, there's something about his... It's almost the shape of his hair mm. has the sort of Henry Cavill shape. So thing. he'd need to be and what age? Jaw. He'd need to be, what, in his 50s, yeah. in his 40s, something like that? 30s and 40s, I think you could probably get away with. Okay. A man in the prime of his life. I mean, he's, he's a chiss, isn't he? So, I don't know, they're probably quite long-lived. <laughs> hmm. There is someone he's looking. I'm looking at him, and I can't think of who it is. There's like a Richard E. Grantiness to him, but we we can't go down no, that route do that. again. It's a tough one. Anyway, who knows? Listen, I'm sure they've already cast him, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And we shall see what happens if they ever do get around to casting Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, but on that note, on that rather low key note, uh, Tom, oh, Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> oh my God! You hit there on we it. go. We have sorted it. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Make it happen. And on that rather high key note, that is it for this week's epic delve into chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. Join us next week for more Mando-related fun. We'll be talking all things Grogu uh, and talking about chapter 14. Now, they haven't released the title of this one yet. 
because uh, last week Wikipedia, <laughs> that's where I get all my information from. <laughs> last week, Wikipedia had the title of this and the director and the writer, Dave Filoni. Uh, also interesting though, of course, this is the first non-Favs written episode this season so mm. far, uh, but they don't have it yet for chapter 14, but we're only three to go, three to go. Oh my God, what could possibly happen? We'll find out next week. But until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Baby Yoda's new identity, Ben Travis. Hashtag Baby Yoda forever. Oh, <laughs> It is goodbye from Thrawn of the Dead. A.K.A. James Dyer. Goodbye, Christopher. That's nerd Grand Admiral to you. <laughs> I have no objection to him being a Grand Admiral in, in general, actually. That's fine. I think James should play Grand Admiral Thorne, actually. <laughs> he'd be good at it. He would be good. Well, he'd be, no, he's a terrible he'd actor. He'd be terrible but, uh, at it, but, you know, yeah. in a terrible way. Yeah, yeah he'd go full method. Have all those people killed <laughs> and call off Space Christmas. <laughs> it's goodbye from Tano Domini. A.K.A. Helen O'Hara. What's, what's that mean? It's a reference to Anno Domini, Latin for yeah. Year of Our Lord. Exactly. I mean, come on. What? Come on. It's good. It was you know? trying to get a, a Tano pun and that's what came up. Yeah. So, you know, it's here good. you go. Good. Spray Tano? No. I mean, I've fake never had tano. a spray tano in my life or fake tano, so that just didn't come to mind. <laughs> We're Irish. We don't tan at all. <laughs> at it just all. doesn't happen. No. No. I glow in the dark and I'm fine <laughs> with that. <laughs> And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Bean's Holiday. I am off to retrieve Ahsoka Tano's lightsaber from that pond and have a hooli. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>